Hi Ved, how have you been? Hi bro, just uh, like my brain isn't working. Why man? Ah, uh, so you know right, like the brain is the most outstanding organ. Okay, it works twenty four seven. It's like three sixty five days a year. Like just on like from birth until you fall in love. What? <laughs> Sorry, sir. I just tried to crack that joke. It was one of the first lines I found online when I googled love. <laughs> I guess you've been you've been googling too much of love since last week. Yeah, I just googled like funny sentences on love. Okay, like this thing came up. Like I don't, I don't even know if it was funny. You know what? I've joke... read so many of them. But my brain is numb to it. Exactly. You know what your joke reminded me of? Uh, those typical oh. WhatsApp forwards that you get on family groups, and where huh. like some 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 of your uncles or some of your aunts or sometimes even your parents yeah, 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 yeah. shared those messages, and then yeah. those bursts of emoticons huh. come, and yeah hmm. i i don't really enjoy them let's say yeah i don't i don't know why we need to have these constructs that a family has to say good morning on whatsapp every day and like yes. someone has to take the owner of good morning there's so many constructs surrounding family and everything yes and also and the, marriage yes this this idea of how people should behave and how love should be expressed either whether it's uh-huh. through sarcasm humor irony mm-hmm. or in more mm-hmm. pernicious aspects of controlling how love should be expressed in public between people how yeah. relationships are to be formed mm. i think they are really really mm. problematic constructs and maybe we can sort of go to some extent discussing those things in today's episode yeah bro so we can totally talk about it. i'll tell you what i think marriage is one of the things which has the most number of constructs surrounding it. right from the whatsapp jokes and every mc and uh, sangeet and a wedding talking about why like why the husband husband wife jokes and why there are certain things which have to happen in a husband wife relationship right up to actual norms right where different societies japan and tribals in india and the us everyone has their own ideas of how couples should behave you know what people do on the tea gardens so they don't okay. marry okay they they when they fall in love they live in for a good 30 40 50 years mm-hmm. and it's only like a social need that you must be married otherwise your child is illegitimate right so uh-huh. they they get married when they literally when they 60 65 sometimes just so that their child is not called illegitimate and their child can marry if he or she has to okay before these people die mm-hmm. but essentially their lives are just living yes. and they don't mention partners anything of people they live independent existences right they're unmarried or like they mention single wherever you ask them to and to sort of follow so, up on like, that what what you just said uh, about these uh, about these tea laborers um this reminds mm-hmm. me of the muria tribe the the muria tribe in chatisgarh now this muria mm-hmm. tribe what they do is they have a uh, a sort of setup which very loosely uh-huh. i can call a sex house now what does that mean that mm-hmm. means that you have the teenagers and the youngsters of the muria tribe mm-hmm. gathering every night in this particular house this sort of uh, yeah. thatched roof kind of a place in the middle of the mm-hmm. village where all of them come together and that is where uh, the the females impart sex education to the males mm-hmm. the senior females to the to the more junior males so let's say there would be a 19 year old female yeah. Uh, yeah. teaching a okay. 16 year old or a 17 year old uh, male how to have intercourse and there is no like emotional mm-hmm. connection to this whatsoever there is no emotional fallout emotional baggage of course or yeah. anything of that sort yeah. it's just practicing the art of sex mm-hmm. so that when these boys grow up they know how to do it mm-hmm. safely and i think that's such a beautiful concept like i was completely blown oh, yeah. away by it when i read mm-hmm. about it in and i read about it in class 11 so quite some yeah. time ago mm-hmm. and i just don't understand mm-hmm. why as a larger society in a more sort of urbanized society where we claim to be more modern we don't have something similar right because i think it's so important so that's a model we should replicate that's a model we should replicate mm-hmm. 
that is what we're talking about. Like it normalizes the idea of decoupling emotion and physical attraction. Yes. Because at the end of the day, you have to look at the idea of lust as a concept that is a bodily need. And there is no need to sort of morally shun it away and say that, okay, this only happens during sort of child rearing or and conception. So just give it a moral, moral spin. Like, you don't, like, don't give it a moral spin. That's exactly. It. And especially at a time when uh, we as a society are evolving to have much better sex, sexual yeah. health. Like we are not living in the 60s mm-hmm. anymore where syphilis or uh, AIDS can be contracted mm-hmm. at the drop yeah. of a, a sperm if drop I may say hat. instead of a drop yeah. of a hat maybe a drop of a sperm uh-huh. that's not the case anymore uh-huh. and, and uh, nor are yeah nor are there cases where we don't have adequate birth protection techniques there are it's just that people don't use it most of the time mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. but I think this is fundamental and and this sort of reminds me again that how tabooed the concept of sex really becomes like I remember I was in class 7 when uh, a teacher of mine in school uttered the word sex as part of a passage that was being read out okay and there was some person in the class some student in one corner that started giggling and you know this is where you're sort of in that pre-puberty or puberty has just hit you and you start to hear about all these terms and there is curiosity so that person started out laughing now the teacher became instantly ferocious and called out that person and humiliated them for laughing at the mention of sex and what is worse is that mm. the teacher went ahead and said sex only has one meaning, which means which is gender. Now it's problematic on two levels. Firstly, sex does That's not mean gender. Yeah, yeah, sex does not mean gender because the concept huh. of gender is a social concept, whereas gender is a biological yeah, concept. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. So that is in and itself an error. But the more egregious error at that time, even to me, like I was what, 13, 14 at the time, was the fact there was this complete negation of accepting the fact that there is a concept called sex which is intercourse. And even the way in biology classes we were taught, I was from a, uh, an IS, ICSE school, and even the word mm-hmm. sex wasn't mentioned in a biology class. They would use terms like coitus mm-hmm. and copulation and try and yeah. sort of give an academic to the... Yeah, well, reproduction is of course yep. the basic idea, but I'm saying the act of... Reproduction... No, 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 so that's the only entry point. That's the closest we get in the ICSE, at least in our time, in the ICSE, ICSE syllabus. That's the closest we got to discussing sex as a concept. Like, there's no sexual education. There's no sex education. Yeah, none at all whatsoever. And it's appalling because, I mean, I remember the sex, uh, well, not the sex ed classes, but the biology classes, which is supposed to be your entry point Mm -hmm. into sex education, completely Mm -hmm. going over my head because they would talk about these organs and the only organs that I would sort of understand would be the male organs. But the female organs, Mm -hmm. I would have no idea what they actually mean, what their function is. Mm -hmm. And the very labeling and the way you frame the discussion becomes so academic that you can't relate to it at a very basic fundamental level and that's a huge problem right because it just stigmatizes stigmatizes sex in supposedly progressive Mm -hmm. environments at a very early age maybe you have questions at that time you know and maybe the inability of the academic uh, curriculum to satisfy those questions creates far more problems Yeah, because it just it just again cognitive dissonance. It leaves you thinking that this has literally no relation with what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing in pop culture, like like society around me. Yeah. Because the guy is coming in coming from his carpool and he's mm-hmm. like his bus driver tells him something about sex. He has a cousin or an elder sibling or some neighbor somewhere. These these are little real cases we know, right? Yeah. Who who he learns about sex from, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no one no one uses the word vagina when they're talking about sex in in general life. Like yes. not the bus driver, not the cousin and not the neighbor, right? Hmm. So their idea is far more relatable, far more appealing and hence 
their ignorance is also become because they they get a immediate opinion leadership vis-a-vis the book mm-hmm. like over and above the book mm-hmm. he, he goes more to that side when he needs to satisfy his curiosities right and that's mm-hmm. where like and that's where all ignorance the, the, get perpetuated exactly, exactly. all the problematic ideas about sex and sexuality and gender yeah. and all these things also come in yeah yes because Absolutely. you're learning from the wrong place because the right place doesn't talk to you about it exactly. it knows but it won't talk to you about it yes yes that's true I mean, for example, how many of us have actually had a proper conversation about with our parents about sex? I highly doubt how many of us would have had that right, in our generation. So, and that's a huge problem. That's a huge deficit because you are sort of ignoring this elephant in the room that is there, and it needs to be spoken about because at the end of the day, this is a part of being human. The the sex drive and even for that matter, procreation is very. It's it's what makes us survive, right? So I just yeah. don't understand why there is such. I mean, I, I I do understand what the reasons are, but I just don't think mm-hmm. those reasons justify uh, why we continue to live in this environment. So I think that. So I, you know that one takeaway from that that polyamory concept hmm. should be that when we start talking about it, a very definite result we want from that kind of discourse in society is that we should start seeing relationships or sex in the in the more natural, organic sense as things yeah. that do exist, and just just to break the taboo. Like you don't know what you want out of it, hmm. but you at least know that you want to break the taboo. And when just on the non-sex part, on the relationship idea. Maybe we just want to realize that relationships, at the very essence, or love, as we began this, right, mm-hmm. are supposed to be liberating. Yes. Bottom line, yes. and it becomes toxic when you put in bit too many constructs around, in and around what the relationship should mean or what mm-hmm. love should mean. Mm-hmm. So the minute minute you go back to realizing that, bro, it should be liberating, and if that means we need to discuss a new concept which appears to be far more free or far more freeing in its nature, if followed. we should just discuss it it'll come up with its nuances some you ex- hmm. some you accept some you reject but it's going to it, it might be more modern but it's going to be more ancient in the way that it takes you back to the essence of a relationship which is yeah. making you transcend which is not happening right because of the crazy increase in trans in uh, toxic relationships yes hmm. so maybe the conclusion is talk about it so that it can be liberating again yeah absolutely i think the first step is to talk about and i think just one more sort of hmm. point i will add to all this ignorance uh-huh. about sexual uh-huh. culture is the vast hmm. level or levels of ignorance that exist around menstruation and the idea of menstruation now uh-huh. obviously as a man i have never had an experience of menstruation but it took me mm-hmm. a very long time to understand what the concept is at a fundamental level because nobody would speak about mm-hmm. it and even in in like the school environment whatever biology we were mm-hmm. taught there was very little mm-hmm. engagement with menstruation mm-hmm. and the amount of pain and the the amount of suffering that actually undergoes itself in the that the female undergoes mm-hmm. during that time mm-hmm. right and i think that's a mm-hmm. huge problem because what you're doing is you are not engaging with an aspect of uh the opposite sex that defines so much of their regular daily mundane lives because then you're not appreciating the kind of struggle and the kind of life that they're trying to lead so it took me a mm-hmm. very long time to actually understand this whole concept and the moment i did it suddenly you know in a mm-hmm. very subtle way somewhere in in my mind it changed my perception of what femininity and what womanhood means because there is this mm-hmm. whole concept of menstruation which which men which men don't have yeah. so this is another major lacuna that does not get addressed whatsoever and obviously it's mm-hmm. part of the wider mm-hmm. ignorance around sex ed the the academic part of it teaches you nothing yeah nothing at all absolutely right and it, and it, yeah and it, and it causes a lot of problems in terms of you know people who aren't used to female interaction and are yes. suddenly thrust into it yes. and i'm talking i'm talking literally of a very typical student like uh, 
male student mm. who's come from a boys school and who's been in a boys course in college and mm. who's deprived of all female interaction right mm. and the minute he has his first female interaction which god forbid is an arranged marriage which in a lot of cases yeah. it, like mm. terribly is if he has like a proper organically like attain like got reached female interaction mm-hmm. the awkwardness is because he realizes mm. so much about that being in front of me that i don't know but i'm supposed to Yes. So I think the worst yes. part of that is that we've reached a level in society where we know that oh there's so much which should be talked about, but mm-hmm. we end up going to bed the same day where we think it should be talked about, realizing that it won't be talked about and doing literally nothing about it. Mm-hmm. But I think the the problem is you don't identify or like actively go and expose yourself to setups where you can talk about it mm-hmm. because we're so happy with it being a taboo because it's a safe space. Mm-hmm. it's a safe space to not have these conversations like and that's a dangerous thing because people don't realize you're exposing yourself to far more danger by not engaging in that kind of a conversation in terms of i think uh, the the whole idea that mm-hmm. love sex and its concomitant mm-hmm. concepts are fundamentally mm-hmm. about how knowledge and ignorance tussle with each other is something that we need mm-hmm. to get to grips with as a society because the moment i think you start understanding your sexual needs as a person completely mm-hmm. uh, demystifying all the different ideas that exist and you know there can be very very weird ideas so just to give you um, a filter between myth and reality sex can be very weird in the sense that uh, and the myths around it and the realities around it can be very weird so one myth which percolated for a long time in western society and even like sort of went into the orient and the east is that uh-huh. the idea that masturbation masturbation makes you blind okay and it's it's What? something yeah that the idea that masturbation makes you blind is something that people believed for a very how? long time how did how i don't know but that was like a myth that was percolated uh-huh. and people started buying mm-hmm. it and this was done primarily because masturbation was seen as something that is morally reprehensible okay and i think uh, there was no, even oh my god that is the biggest taboo those oh, there yes, are debates where people like, go and there are people that might be listening to this right now and would suddenly get a twitch when i said the word masturbation because they'd be like oh oh god <laughs> the, uh, the myth of of masturbation is something that is very weird like the mm-hmm. idea that you get blind but look at the reality mm-hmm. of orgasm mm-hmm. no i saw this ted talk mm-hmm. and this was by a uh, a sort of mm-hmm. sex scientist if you want to call them i don't know what the, the actual term is yeah. she spoke about how mm-hmm. there was there's this woman she encountered who used to get an orgasm every time she brushed her teeth so there was okay. something in the motion of you know moving up and down her jaw with a toothbrush that made her orgasm yeah. and so they you know they found this case and of course everybody was very intrigued and they started following yeah. her they started asking her questions yeah. initially they thought this might be a case of one particular toothpaste doing something remarkable but later they found out this is just this can work with anything any It toothpaste work, yeah. any toothbrush okay. with that particular individual makes her orgasm when she brushes her teeth and unfortunately okay. what ended up happening is after a protracted period of time she got so frustrated by this uh, uh, thing happening to her she stopped using a, a toothpaste she stopped washing uh, she stopped brushing and she just shifted to a mouthwash oh. for dental health but it's just that what okay. it proves is that these two examples that the myths and realities about sex can be very very weird Mm-hmm. and so it's very it's even more important to have greater knowledge and greater discussions so that we can sort of separate the proverbial chef from the grain you know in in terms mm-hmm. of understanding what is actually true and what is actually possible and what is not even even words like orgasm and vagina and even viagra 
I have heard of in organized setups. Right? You can use a euphemism in the yes. in like very extreme circumstances, right? And there have been times where like I have heard someone using euphemism, not realize what they mean is masturbation. Mm-hmm. They're like that damn time. Yeah. But like you, I don't things I, like I think for example very little discourse about especially this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of so sort of euphemisms like self pleasuring. I mean, what what is that supposed to mean? Self pleasuring. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's quite. In fact, you know, there's a scene. In, there's a scene in the in the dictator. You've seen the movie, right? The dictator. No, I haven't actually. So, I barely not. seen movies, but anyway. So there's there's a, there's there's a scene where the dictator has he's never masturbated because he's he, like he just has sex every night with a different person, and he realizes like he he discovers masturbation when he when he can't have sex for a long time when he's stuck uh, because of funny circumstances in a supermarket as a worker in a supermarket in the US. Hmm. So it's not about the movie. It's about when I was first watching it. I was watching it with a senior. We were on the train back from an event back to Kolkata, right? Okay. And so he, so he just skipped that part and said, "No, no, no. You, I, I can't see that with you." Hmm. Like why? Hmm. Like it was something wrong. Then I, then I, then I went back home and I saw it. And I'm actually, this is a masturbation. Like what's wrong with it? Hmm. And even like masturbation. And, and that's the kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And masturbation is one aspect. Even things like kissing, right? I mean, just look at the way the censor board uh, in India chops off kissing scenes and the the trepidation hmm. that people feel to watch kissing scenes in front of their parents in really? like cinema halls or when a movie is the on. The trepidation people feel to kiss. That yes, is the problem. Yes. Look at UP. You can't <laughs> kiss in Rajasthan, Lucknow. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, it is the most human form of showing affection, and as long as it's consensual, what is the problem? Like, look, I I have mm-hmm. my issues with people who do PDA on social media. Okay, like I don't like that whole yeah. idea of PDA on social media. But I think if two people want to okay. kiss in a public setup, and obviously they are uh, not sort of pissing anybody else off, then they are very much entitled to do. And it. then they're not doing it in a boardroom or a meeting or yeah, like yeah, in course, an office. Yeah. And I think what I also find really problematic in all of this is the fact that there is this insidious ideology in society, and especially in the kind of India that we see today, where it's much easier yeah. to show your hate in public than to show your love. Like if you go to let's say the Hindi belt, you are more likely to find uh, scenes of people beating each other or lynching than you are of people yeah. kissing each other. So I think that's another yeah. ideology that's permeated. in a malicious way into society the fact that we can't mm. show our emotions in public i don't know if it comes down to this uh, fear of being vulnerable of people thinking that it's vulnerable if you show affection uh-huh. in public but clearly we don't think that mm. when it comes to showing hate in public fair true true i think uh, oh wait we didn't discuss like a different tangent to it you know like the entire idea of how just because uh, we condition people to not be able to like not express love in the in the fullest way in which they feel it there is so much more that goes into that construct when you go get into a romantic equation you know mm-hmm. the ideas like unrequited love ideas like like just like pda leads you to the idea that there are times when you you just don't confess you just don't express and it leads to far worse problems than just not doing the best you can in a romantic equation it might just lead to you not starting that equation off exactly and i think that's a very good point you make because ideology and the different kinds of uh repressions that are involved in the whole mechanism of uh one-sided love or unrequited love is is something that really fascinates me and just the way uh you know ideology works in the realm of unrequited love so if i may use the example of uh, of jay gatsby who's one of the more popular literary characters in the last uh, couple of centuries so uh gatsby has this woman that he intensely loves called daisy 
and in daisy he concentrates his entire pursuit of life so his quest for riches for ambition for this racks to riches story that he experiences becomes uh, embodied and typified in the character of daisy who herself represents the american dream now daisy doesn't really love gatsby back she pretends to love him but she actually loves his wealth and his status but uh, what gatsby sort of aspires in the character of daisy is this larger than life possibility and i think uh, this is a very good example of how ideology permeates uh, unrequited love because uh, in a lot of cases the person who claims to be this selfless lover is actually a narcissist because they have imposed their values or their aspirations upon a person and now they are trying to hunt down those values and aspirations by trying to hunt down that person Thank you. I think I think it happens a lot, you know, like right up from so just two things that will tell you how like how this has permeated just human love forever. You know? mm-hmm. Take a dil mushkil that film, okay? And I think that there's some line there where like uh, oh Sabha yes, where where Shahrukh Khan says that yeah 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 yeah. Sabha se ish karne ke liye mujhe sabha ki hi zarurat nahi. Sabha ki right? So yes. one is that the entire idea of how your your you see love as a muse. you might not you don't really need that person around you or you don't need their uh, physical attributes to be present so you to be imagining what you feel a lover should be and then project it onto the person you or whatever little you know of this real being mm-hmm. and the fusion of your imagination and what little you know of the reality of this being is good enough for you to live with and assume that you're in love right the second thing which tells you how far it's how far back we can go to see unrequited love or why you don't need reciprocation to be in love is in the upanishad right where they saying that uh, no one like loves the husband for the husband's sake no one loves the wife for the wife's sake mm-hmm. but for the self that is in the wife and it says none ever loves anything else except for the self right right and beautiful it's telling you how you you in fact just end up loving a concept and that concept is top of your own creation mm-hmm. now that that's not to say all romantic equations are just like cause wallop right but that that's to go and say that you, there's a lot you're doing in your head which is not happening which is contributing to what the equal, what the romance is all about so it's not yes. always real mm-hmm. so see so this is a sort of creative uh, a creative participation that is happening because exactly. there is a certain exactly. objective reality in which a particular person mm-hmm. is grounded and then by yeah. uh, imposing your love on that person you are also imposing your own mm-hmm. identity of what you think that person mm-hmm. should be and so there is a, a mixture mm. of what you perceive and what mm. effectively exists so i think that's yeah. that's a fascinating process but but what also yeah and, um, yeah, yeah go on mm-hmm. no so on so just on that same film right adina mushkil there's there's so there's another different tangent to it the uh, ranveer anushka tangent you know oh, so yes. even that yeah. is unrequited unrequited love from ranveer to anushka mm-hmm. So, so decisively showing you that you don't need the other person to love you back for you to even madly be in love. Mm-hmm. But but don't you? But think, so, yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah. So that leads me with that leads me with one conclusion, right? That if if you if you love someone, just expecting them to love you back, what what where does that leave a mother-son equation, or where does that leave selfless love to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're expecting something back, it's a lot more like, like to me, it's more like shopkeeping than. Like because you want something back, it's more of trading than it is like love in itself. Mm-hmm. Because if it means, like we discussed in the past, that it's just you and your selflessness and your promise of transcendence, that that definition was excluded, excluding in itself the idea of someone having to do something from their end. So without making it toxic, if you can 
in any case if you can not if you don't have to bank on the other person doing something for you in return i think that itself is also love mm-hmm. in fact it's it's in most cases a much higher form of love but but sort of getting back to the ranbir anushka point that you make and i yeah. think uh, when i watched the film and i personally think it's a great film i know some people might disagree i mean it's a sentimental film yes but it's a good film oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and and one thing i found really interesting is that ranbir throughout the film clamors for a certain kind of love from anushka's character where he yeah. wants to be the the traditional romantic lover whereas anushka says that yeah. look i love you but i love you only in the capacity of a friend so mm. in the absence of the the sexual dynamic like obviously anushka does not mean to include that sexual dynamic it's not a friends with benefits relationship mm. but if you take mm. sex and lust out of the equation what do you think mm. is the difference between the kind of love that ranbir pines for and the kind of love mm. that anushka is able to provide ranbir like what exactly makes that friendly love and attachment different from that romantic pursuit um i don't i i just think it's a difference of the love having been expressed in i don't think there is a very tangible difference in their kind of love it's a lot like the yummy and yam example we discussed in the rig vedna okay i think primarily primarily you can not you can't differentiate in terms of the love you can differentiate it just in terms of the circumstances the two of them are in. what mm. what was that yummy yam concept they they're going they're growing up together both of them are just sharing the same experiences one person interprets their same shared experiences as romance one person interprets them just as good experiences mm-hmm. and i think that's more a function of how you've grown up being taught and thinking what romance leads to is means thinking at someone who is like someone who's from a gender which i uh, i like uh, find sexually appealing does that does that necessarily mean it is a romantic indication or does that just mean we are we are part of a good day and like this is good memories we are creating with with the other person mm. now in ranbir's head i think that ended up meaning and this is true for so many people out there in ranbir's head the same like smiles and the same like drinking and partying they did ended up meaning oh uh, she's going to fall in love with me because i'm falling in love with her and this is the romance like this is the love i need to sustain mm-hmm. and in her her head it was just oh, one of the very good things which she needs to sustain mm-hmm. the difference comes about in terms of how you've been conditioned to define romance in your head mm-hmm. it's not like they were in different rooms they were in the same room but they just interpreted the, the room differently yes and sort of uh, interpreted the intimacy differently as well exactly yes and and i think uh, mm-hmm. i think one interesting way to filter this is something you ironically told mm-hmm. me quite some time ago i think mm. it was 2 years ago when wow. we were discussing what it really means to be in love and you said that look if the person is irreplaceable then it means you yeah. are in love with them so i think in if you wow. if you put that definition to a test in idle mushkil mm. then anushka would have been yeah. irreplaceable for ranbir but not the other mm. way around mm. so, so oh, maybe, i i think i think when you when you're discussing love that is the core and that that is the one thing which is universally true i'll tell you why mm-hmm. because i still think that i'm like this old school there in the idea that love will conquer everything right mm-hmm. in that, i'm not i'm not saying keep pursuing someone who's spurned you and keep irritating them yeah. what i'm saying is if for if something's not working out right and if you're cynical about the statement that oh it's going to work out at the end it's probably because you don't love that thing or that individual as much as you love love stability for example if you're if you have to focus on academics and if you think or if you're focusing on your job and you think loving someone or pursuing this romantic interest is going to take too much of your time or is too much of a burden on you then perhaps you love stability or the construct society has fed you on oh you need to do this and you need to do that far more than you love that individual because mm-hmm. i think if you're going to pursue that individual 
it's going to it's going to turn out well and why i feel that is is because i think that one thing is then irreplaceable for you that has mm-hmm. a, that, that there's a second side to that it doesn't mean they are uh, like that there's something which you can't sustain without you can sustain at a lower level of like life emotional equilibrium perhaps without them mm-hmm. but that's one thing which you will not get like there's no one who can be as good as them yeah it completes you and too. if you found someone like that you're in love with them that, that is that is romantic love yes and like every everything else is just a strong liking yes great and and i think that's a much more accessible definition of love if I, if i may put it that way because mm-hmm. we started this discussion yeah. in the previous episode talking about how love is transcendental but i think at mm-hmm. a regular level and even i was sort of getting some comments from our, some of our friends and they were saying that look we don't yeah. understand what it means when you say love is transcendental because well we we can't really measure oh. it right at what level does love transcend uh-huh. but i think this uh-huh. is much easier in terms of the fact that if you say mm-hmm. that love is about irreplaceability then it's very simple mm-hmm. to ask yourself okay can i do without this person and i think even if you don't mm-hmm. get an immediate answer in the long term uh-huh. you will eventually get to answer that question and therefore understand mm-hmm. whether you really are in love with the person or not the idea that love is essentially as we just discussed no within you you're projecting your ideals and what you think of romance and what you've been fed by society and life onto the other person and is this your feeling of doing well mm-hmm. so right from a dopamine which is going to give you confidence or make you feel good about the day and you're going to approach the day with a stride mm-hmm. to right up to right up to you being more emotionally like like actually emotionally better off or actually having proper emotional advice from the other who is getting to know you and a third party perspective on you, everything which you are as a person mm-hmm. love transcends you because what because of what you feel and like how and the way you react to love Mm-hmm. so it's literally just you helping yourself right it's like when newton discovered gravity the apple is not gravity the apple is a sign is a signal to him which is it's telling him to to combine a lot of links in his head where he starts thinking okay so everything falls and why does it fall mm-hmm. so love is just your way of you getting introduced to things and changes you can make and it's a very pleasant way to do it I'm not saying it transcends you immediately, like say money would or like position would in society. Yeah. But yes, it's far more permanent and it's far more helpful. Right. So I think a good way to wrap this up would be to say that irreplaceability is the determinant of love. That is, that is how you come to determine whether you are in love or not. And love, in turn, yeah. is the vehicle that leads to transcendence. So if you are sort of aspiring for a more spiritual mm-hmm. understanding of mm-hmm. yourself and of the world around uh-huh. you. then a good way to do mm. that is through love once you have mm. determined that it is love because you find uh-huh. it irreplaceable yeah and i i think uh, a very important part of that is to be able to talk about you know like there's a lot of awkwardness mm. present in people in terms of what should be said and what shouldn't be said in a yeah. conversation or what should how how quickly do you move when talking to people or expressing or confessing to them right right from like i think you need to uh, like kudos to the american culture there right not to stereotype them Hmm. but the idea of how you you need to be quicker in terms of expressing yourself or not wasting time with an elephant in the room is is very important you don't want to have 6 months with a person tell them i love you for the first time having felt it of course for the last 6 months knowing fully well you should have said it some 4 5 months ago hmm. and then suddenly and then realize that you didn't even know you don't know this person as well as you should know someone who you share a 6 month equation with So when you haven't declared that feeling, you can't get to know the person better. You can't discuss weaknesses, right? So in someone who you're pursuing, and in the first stage of wooing and courtship, 
you'll notice no one ever is going to talk about their weakness or like your partner's weakness or your own weakness mm-hmm. yes. which is a significant hindrance to two people getting to know each other mm-hmm. yeah what you're also saying is don't romanticize and glorify that awkwardness which comes into play yeah. when you're not distinctively labeling a relationship exactly. or labeling your exactly. intentions in a relationship yeah yeah the sweet nothing of oh what is left unsaid is a great thing which and like it's good for like the first two three dates are good for poetry <laughs> but the sweet nothing go into six months of sweet nothing that's really like destructive to a person yeah yeah absolutely and i think that's the that's the larger point of what we have been discussing over the last couple of episodes isn't it it's to yeah. liberate conversation around love liberate conversation exactly. around sex and everything that entails both of these mm-hmm. ideas because mm-hmm. in the absence of that you are conditioning yourself to not express who you really mm-hmm. are because the way you love the way you think about sex mm-hmm. make a fundamental mm-hmm. aspect of your personality so it's important to get it out there speak to people see what your exactly. ideas echo and where do, where they differ mm-hmm. and create a dialogue about mm-hmm. it exactly and know that there are some things which are universal about love mm-hmm. but most things will be subjective that you and your view and both of you in that one situation right and it's bound to be subjective as long as you recognize there are a few universal things like i sign i really think you know, the idea of irreplaceability yes or transcendence hmm. absolutely great so i think uh, on that note we'll call it a day and next week we'll yep. move on to some other discussion i don't know if it will be about <laughs> something as personal as this but uh, huh? we'll we'll try and keep oh, it this is not personal like okay, for the record this is not personal no? this is just observations we have on yeah, other yeah of course i mean but but personal in the sense <laughs> that it's it's something yeah. we we hold close to our hearts quite literally of course chalo chalo okay bye bye hi guys thanks for listening to this episode of that's what we said this completes our discussion on love hope you enjoyed it If you have any experiences that you would like to share with us from your life that either reflect or contradict what way then I said please do so in the comment section press the bell icon to subscribe and get updates on our latest podcasts we will be back exploring more issues that matter to all of us till then take care